good to be with you again, and for the second week we will talk about the church covenant. And I suppose there is a, a sense in which this morning the preacher preaches to the choir, because the particular tenet of the covenant that we will speak about this morning is about gathering, and you've already gathered. So maybe it's the ones who are not here who need to hear it, so uh, we will trust one another that we will carry the word to those who aren't with us today. We share in the second of six sermons inspired by the covenant of Oxford Baptist Church. Last week, we said that we will exercise Christian care and watchfulness over one another and lovingly warn, exhort, and admonish each other as occasion may require. Today we move on to the second tenet of the church covenant, and we'll read from Hebrews, scripture that serves as the basis for this tenet, which says, as members of Oxford Baptist Church, we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the stated services of the church, but will uphold public worship of God and the ordinances of his house. Thank you for fulfilling the covenant today. This morning we will read the scripture that inspires that and, 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 and shares in the language that um, the church adopted 106 years ago as we read from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Hear now this reading from Hebrews. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened, up, opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with true hearts in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you grew up in a family that went to church, you probably had a mother or a father, a grandmother or a grandfather, who told you you better be in church on Sunday, right? And if you are a grandmother or a grandfather, maybe a mother or father, you might have some children that you tell the same thing to. And when we read our covenant, we hear the echoes from Hebrews that says, don't forsake gathering yourselves, get together for worship, show up and give your best. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews writes about the confidence Christians have in their faith because of the work of Jesus, but then reminds them, stick together, keep gathering don't forsake gathering, as has happened to some. 
Now, I don't read Scripture and treat it as if the writers of these beautiful books were fortune tellers of any kind. If you want to read a book that has a lot of fortune telling prophecy in it, you're going to have to find a different religion. I don't have one to recommend to you. But what I see is that the the things that were true for the writers when they wrote these things down originally are still true for us, and that is where they hold great power. That's why Scripture continually feels resonant And based on what we experience today, it seems like the writer of Hebrews had something something similar going on. As he told them, remember to gather. Sometimes we forget to gather. I suspect that as time goes on, people will continue to forget to gather. And if we look back across history... Christians were not always as good at gathering as they were in recent times. Following church attendance rates reveals that the mid-20th century was a high point in church attendance across a long period of time. Billy the Kid and Wyatt Earp and those Old West folks were not necessarily attending church as regularly as, say, Andy Griffith. Church attendance in the mid-20th century, when many of us grew up, was better than most. But one of the things that's interesting about that time, and the time that we, many of us, came to faith in, is that there was such an emphasis on personal salvation, that the value of the community of believers was taken for granted, and maybe sometimes even forgotten. We prayed our prayers. We had our quiet times. We followed the preachers we wanted to and in some ways formed our own versions of salvation and worship and Sabbath rest and giving and social engagement. And in some ways we inadvertently created a faith in our own image that is not as closely tied to regularly gathering for worship as scripture and tradition might would dictate. Let me use myself as an example, and I am not the hero of the story the church is. I've told this story before, but I asked Jesus in my heart when I was in the sixth grade, and my family was visiting a large fundamentalist church in Marietta, Georgia. It was a Sunday morning in March. And this church was so big that the youth had their own worship service and their own Sunday school class. And I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but, but, but I think that Steve Barkowski, the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, or the former quarterback of the Falcons, was there and he gave his testimony on that youth Sunday in worship. But in my life, the action all happened in the Sunday school class later. What I know now is that the Sunday school teacher was offering a premillennialist interpretation of the tribulation from Revelation. That's as many shuns as I can get in one sentence. 
It was something I had never heard before, even though I had been in church a lot as a kid. And this interpretation made me quite nervous. I had grown up in churches that when I look back now, they all, in a, we didn't know this at the time, but they all became CBS-style churches. These churches loved and nurtured me, taught me about faith and, and the love of Jesus, and I didn't know about this way of interpreting Revelation. So when the teacher told me about some thousand years of something, I didn't want any part of that. So I asked for an airline ticket to heaven when I died. I prayed the prayer. I felt saved. My relationship with God had begun, but it had nothing to do with a community of believers. It, it happens that my family may have never actually gone back to that church again, because just a couple of months later, we moved from Atlanta to Texas. So when we got to Texas, I got involved in the local church there. My parents brought me. I got engaged with the youth group, attended some new Christian classes, and went to worship regularly. Eventually, three years later, I made a public profession of faith because I wanted to go on the youth mission trip. You see, I had had that private profession of faith, but, but the church required that in order to go on the youth mission trip, you had to be a baptized member of the church. So it wasn't so much that we were emphasizing the community of believers and the importance of believers be gathered. It was kind of like there was a checkbox I hadn't ticked off yet. So I got saved by Jesus out of fear. I got joined to the church out of obligation. And here I am. God was certainly at work in unique and powerful ways. And the church is the hero of the story because over time I learned the importance of the gathering of the church. No one invited me to join the church because of the support I would receive. No one invited me to, to join the church to emphasize the, the larger participation in the worship of the church. No one invited me to the church to emphasize the ways in which I could connect to the, the kingdom of God because I was a part of a body of believers who took their eyes off themselves for at least an hour a week and tried to look up to God. Instead, the church got me in with a prayer, walked me down the aisle to get baptized, put my name on the roll, and then started sending me envelopes so that I would give. Then they seemed to just assume that I knew I needed to be there. And if I missed, maybe they looked at me sideways. It was an unintentional spiritual bait and switch. One that reflects the worst habits that we occasionally fall into as the church. Because what the church is and needs to be is a community and fellowship of saints. Oh, not perfect saints, but, but those who are seeking to be the Lord's children. 
We must not forsake the assembling of ourselves because by gathering, well, in gathering we see how much a part of our faith needs to be shared. Our relationship with God is personal first, but it just can't end there. Throughout the history of God's people with God, there has been an emphasis on gathering. Gathering mattered. When the Israelites were leaving Egypt and going into the wilderness, God made them stop once a week to rely on God, to reflect and to worship To remember that there was one day a week when you were supposed to not be as busy and you didn't have to collect the manna on that day. If you and I were running from an army in the wilderness, the last thing we would want to do is stop for a day. But God says, the way that you remember my promises is to stop and to gather And to turn your attention to the Lord. And when they got to the temple era and the synagogues, they may have taken it a little too far by the time we get to Jesus. But the spirit was this. On the day of the Sabbath, you started with worship. And you rested and reflected the rest of the time. But maybe they forgot that. Or they weren't very good at it. Let's just say it that way. We're not very good at stopping. Which I suppose, in part, why the writer of Hebrews has to remind them to not forsake the gathering. Do not forsake the gathering for regular worship. Because it's what you need. And after the members of Oxford Baptist Church said, we're going to keep watch over one another. The second thing they said that we wanted to do is, we're going to come together to regularly worship, to support worship and to support the activities and programs of the church. That is some of the what. And let me give you you briefly, let me briefly give you Three reasons maybe why we should do that. The first is that gathering for worship and engaging in the life of the church is how we get to know God in a deeper way. Gathering repeatedly allows depth to grow in our faith. One illustration that, that, that provides this well to me is that of a wedding I perform a lot of weddings as a minister. But every one of you who has been married, is married or even was married, knows that a wedding is not a marriage. You could spend as much as you want, have the most perfect ceremony in the most idyllic location. But like, like that prayer of salvation... A relationship with God is not a one-time event. And like that ceremony, a marriage is not a one-time event. It takes time and energy. Growing together with someone takes commitment 
and the occasional word. And the same is true for your faith and for the life of the church. Getting saved and walking through the waters of baptism is not the end. It is only just the beginning. And as the church, we must do a better job with helping one another journey together so that we don't convey that salvation through a personal prayer and baptism is the only thing that this church is about. Faith is about so much more and we must not forsake assembling because when we assemble, we, we create space for depth in our faith to grow. Secondly, and related, gathering is the best chance we have to learn more about God and, and gathering is how we engage in discipleship, fellowship, worship and service and gathering is, is, is the easiest way to invite others to join us in this journey. Jesus didn't model a faith that was only personal. Oh, he had some remarkable moments of personal prayer. And he performed miracles for individuals. The man sitting by the pool at Bethsaida walks away changed. But the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 happens when the people are gathered. Miracles happen on the Sabbath as they're going to the temple. And others get to know a place where they have a shot at experiencing and and getting in touch with the holy because our doors are open and we invite folks to be with us when we gather. Gathering with other believers allows the love of God to be shared. And by sharing God's love, we grow together. And now third, I've pointed this out already, but maybe most importantly, gathering for worship and Sabbath keeps us from shaping worship and Sabbath and faith in our own image. If your life is anything like mine, you walk up to someone that you haven't seen in a few weeks or months and you say, how's it going? I haven't seen you. And their response is, oh boy, I have been very busy. I've been so busy. We've had so much going on. And when you really think about the things that make our lives busy, if we're really honest about it, it's not all of us and it's not all the time. But for a lot of us, we catch a lot of sports ball games, don't we? We spend a lot of time on the road to and from days and weekends away. Our checkbooks might reveal subscriptions to Hulu and Netflix and cable. And I suspect more than... More than a few of us in this room spend some time every day checking out what's on the Facebook or the Instagram or the Twitter or the Pinterest or some other online means of digital engagement through a computer or a phone. We're spoiled. Because we're not busy because we've got to milk the cows in the morning. We're not busy because we've got to prime the tobacco before it spoils, which I think could be a thing, right? We're not busy because the only way we can make ends meet is to work overtime. And we're not busy because if we don't gather food, we will starve. 
most of us are blessed. Yeah, we may work 40, 50, or sometimes 60 hours a week, but by working that amount of time, most of us have enough free time and enough means to do what we want to with our free time. So we tailgate, take beach trips, we put our kids in sports, we have dates nights and couples nights and family nights and outings and parties, and all of those things are are fantastic. I wish I could do more of them myself. But if we miss gathering with the believers because of our social calendar, we've missed the point of the Sabbath, we've missed the point of worship, we've, we've cut ourselves short in our faith, and we have forsaken the assembling with the believers and, and created Sabbath in our own image. So we don't forsake the gathering with the believers because like someone who is navigating a ship and needs to continually check where they are and where they are headed, we regularly gather to keep us pointed in the direction we need to go. We regularly gather so that we don't shape our lives in our own image. And and in doing that, we don't pull our lives away from where God wants them to be. Oh, this is a struggle. And it is not just your struggle, it is mine. But we must never forsake the gathering with other believers as a part of the community of faith because this is one of the best places that God gives us to get in touch with the love of God. The second tenet says that we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the stated services of the church, but we will uphold the public worship of God and the ordinances of God's house. Maybe you didn't welcome Jesus into your your heart so that you could commit to the church covenant. Maybe you didn't walk through the waters of baptism so that you could be held to these six tenets. But ultimately... Joining into this covenant is the next step in faith. God has revealed to us through this church that by engaging in the life of the church and not forsaking our gathering, we have a shot to grow deeper. We gather with the church to get back in touch with the Spirit of God. We join the church as a result of our commitment to Jesus. And we best remember that commitment And best reconnect with that commitment through public, regular worship, discipleship, fellowship, and service. All things we do by gathering. And so we're busy people. We live in amazing times. It is a gift to be able to experience and and experience travel and experience the world and experience the beach and the mountains. To experience our children playing and, and, and having joy through sports and through, through dance and through other activities. But we also need to not forget the importance of gathering to nurture our faith in God. We gather as a part of our regular weekly life to keep ourselves on course. 
to keep us pointed to the Lord and to help us continually generate the kind of community of believers that can get us through life fully connected to the God who loves us, who gave us to one another and gave himself to us as well. May we not forsake the gathering together. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks for this day and we give you thanks for this church. And Lord, I hope we give thanks for the reminder that we need one another and we need to be together. Oh Lord, there are so many things that pull us in other directions, good things, fun things, important things. But Lord, help us to remember and be reassured in the importance of this gathering and of gathering with these believers who we love and who consider us a part of Oxford Baptist Church. Lord, may we remember and be assured that in gathering you will meet us, you will guide us, you will continue to make us whole, and you will help us to experience your love in ways that we can share it with others. Oh Lord, encourage us in our gathering. Challenge us in our gathering. Comfort us in our gathering. But also assure us that you are with us through our gathering and and give us the cravings to be back here again soon. This, O Lord, is our prayer and we ask it in your great name. Amen.